Hey guys, and welcome back to Talking with Shadows, the conversation everyone has, but no one wants to admit to. Here with your host, Vic Whateley. And Marcus D. And we are coming to you guys with another great episode here of Talking with Shadows, coming to you every week while we're in the mix of this coronavirus. And today we're going to be talking about the Rendlesham UFO incident. It's a awesome uh, UFO incident that's a big deal too, and not a lot of people know about it too. Most people know about Roswell. Most people, even some people, know about Kecksburg, but not as many people know about the Rendlesham incident. Like, were you familiar with Rendlesham before I brought it up to you? Yes, I was because we touched on it briefly in one of our top five UFO videos that we did. And uh, but now we're going to do a whole episode where we get to cover this awesome, very juicy, meaty UFO incident. It's, yeah, and there's, there's a lot to this one, guys. Yeah, I think we covered it for maybe like 60 seconds, which is just not doing it justice, like, at all. And... Uh, normally we, normally we save this for like our, uh, for our patrons and we do our live episodes, but yeah, but, uh, with all this going on, we need a drink during this. Woo! Let's see, we have Angry Orchard Crisp Apple, and this is because we found a few Angry Orchard Crisp Apples in the <laughs> studio. <laughs> I was, I was sitting going, man, we really great. We should drink while we're doing this. And we just, uh, and, uh, Vic was like, do we, do we have alcohol? And I turned around like, it's right there. It's a coronavirus <laughs> miracle. Like, I almost feel like we should be drinking Coronas, but I actually prefer ciders anyways. I know. Actually, most of our patrons probably get this inside joke, because this is actually what we drink, like, most of the time. So, um, here's a here's a toast to all of you listeners out there. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. And, uh, I didn't really prepare a uh, black bag tip of the day, so here's one. As the old saying goes, drinking solves all your problems. So if the G-Man comes through Black Bag, you just get drunk and the problem will resolve itself. So anybody knows it's, a, it's probably a lot harder to kidnap a person when they're intoxicated. There, there you go. <laughs> I know. Use that drunk strength. And if, if you get drunk enough, just vomit on them. Oh, man. Uh, okay. So we've got a great episode. The Rindlesham Forest Incident. Wait, wait, wait. Before we get into the Rindlesham Forest Incident, I have a personal mystery here. Oh, yeah. this. Oh, yeah. So new paranormal news most people don't know about. <laughs> I don't know if this would count as paranormal, but if anyone can explain this one to me, just let me know. I have a pet cat. Her name's Yuffie. I love her. She's great. But she does sometimes puke on things because, you know, cat. She puked on one of my wife's papers. And when I looked at it, it's all like grass. But she's an inside cat and never goes outside. I want to know, where did she get this to vomit up? I mean, like, are there people sneaking this into my house? Is she sneaking out, like, outside when you're not paying? There's no no way. There's no way. She is scared to death of the outside world. Like, a few times she has gotten out of the house. She gets to the part where there is grass, falls over, and cries (laughs) until we pick her up. And carry her back inside. Because I don't know what this is. I can't handle this anymore. So I want to know, how the heck did this happen? Because there's no way she went outside and got it. There's not any grass in the house. I can only assume, like, someone's sneaking in and feeding her grass. (laughs) Like, I I know most animals eat grass as, like, to, like, settle, like, an upset stomach. Like, a lot of times. Like, a lot of dogs. Like, dogs do that. They eat grass in order to, like, you know, to ease an upset stomach, maybe. And your your cat is very temperamental. Like she is perfect. I don't know what you're saying. Yeah, whatever. Like she'll she'll come up to you and go, Meow. like she wants you to pet her, but she does not want you to pet her. And you learn the hard way. Oh, and she hates Marcus. Every, Absolutely. Yes, she does. Every time he walks by, she will hiss and scratch at the air. She hates everybody. She loves me. That's it. <laughs> That's a very short list. Okay, okay, let's get into this. But if you guys have some ideas, please let me know. Cause I this is a head scratcher for me. Mm. All right, so the Rendlesham Forest incident takes place, and it's going to start December 26th, 1980, okay? So let's frame reference this. This is pretty much like during the Cold War, okay? And we are in uh, Suffolk, England, which is like southeastern England, okay? Yeah, it's along the coastline. Mm-hmm. Wait, so. is it Suffolk or Essex? Suffolk. Okay, Suffolk. okay. Suffolk. 
It's not it's it's Suffolk. S U F F O L K. Oh, okay. Okay. And we're notorious for mispronouncing stuff, so I'm just making sure that we're getting that right. Okay. And on it's like three AM in the morning and there are these two guards that are out there. There's Jim Pennington and John Burge, and they see these strange lights in the sky descending deep into the forest outside this base. Now, they radio in and they're like, can we have permission to go investigate what this is? And of course they get permission. So they go out into the woods in order to investigate what, the, in order to see what's going on out there. So whenever they get out in there, that's when things start getting weird. Because when they get out there, they report they encounter this like triangular shaped craft. Kind of think like, it's like a, a mix between kind of like a pyramid and kind of like a like a space shuttle, uh, like a space capsule esque. Actually, think about like a cursor on your computer screen, and then just take off the little tail end thing there, and have it come up to a point on the top, and then have some little doogies at the bottom. Yeah, that was that was that was clear. <laughs> that was definitely clear. So it's about it's about nine it's about nine feet long, and I think about six feet high. So this is a kind of a big thing, and it's got a red light on the top, and they just said that it's got this like blue under lighting. Okay, so it's very not street legal. <laughs> yeah, and up to this point, they were thinking that there was a plane crash or something that had occurred out there, but as they got closer, they ended up uh, what do they call it? A, a helping hands protocol? Yeah, they, they call it a helping hands protocol, which is a nice way of saying panic, panic, <laughs> like we need help, like we need help. Yeah, and he, he thought that there, there, this might be a foreign force or something. Mm-hmm. So, because like in a lot of these UFO incidents, like when they, when they involve the military, like what they typically think is this is some sort of enemy aircraft that's out there. I mean, this is like Cold War, so they, you know they're concerned this could be like some sort of Russian, uh, you know, vessel or aircraft that's that's out there. So they they see that they see this ship out here, and it's so bizarre. It looks like nothing these guys have ever seen. I mean, these are two Air Force guys, and they've never seen anything like this before in their lives. And they try to, and according to the official report, because that's going to get important later, the official report that comes out, they said that they attempted to go near it, and the thing starts moving away from them, like intelligently avoiding trees. And it eventually, it eventually, what ends up happening is it ends up getting away from them and ends up taking off. And so, by the next morning, uh, by the next morning, they do, which is something that's bizarre to me. They call the police. And for the police to come out to investigate, which I think is kind of odd, I think. I think that if you're, like, on a military base out there and you see some sort of unidentified flying object, which may be a, a foreign aircraft, I don't, I, don't, I don't see the police as being one of the people that these people would need to call. Well, the base commander was very serious. No, none of this is going on. There's no UFO stuff. And he was, he was pretty mad at the people who were, like, talking about it. I would almost imagine he's like, oh, there, there's something going on th out there that's getting my men all stirred up. Probably someone's shooting off fireworks near the base or something. Well, I'll have the police look into it. This is clearly not a military matter. I could, I could see this happening. But what, what about all the stuff that John said that he... Oh, you're talking about, you're talking about, you're talking about Jim? Oh, sorry, Jim. Yeah, yeah. Jim. So Jim, uh, actually, what he says is outside the official report, which net, which doesn't get in, which doesn't get put in, the, uh, which does not make it into the official report, because he says that it's left out. Jim says that when he actually saw this thing, what to him, and he describes it a little bit differently when I'm, when you actually interview him. To him, it kind of looks like this almost like technicolor, like shiny esque. Well, he says that there's lights kind of running across the outside mm -hmm. of the ship, kind of creating this rainbow sort of pattern. And then when he went up and went to touch it, the lights went off. But as he approached, he was talking about he suddenly became labored. It felt like his body was moving through water, like all the energy was drained out of him. But then once he got really close to it, everything snapped back to normal. And when he went to actually, you know, make contact with the craft... The outside shimmering kind of field around it went off, and it made a, a look, he described it to, like, the whole thing was made of black glass, except for the underside, which was still exuding light. Mm -hmm. And again, and I, all the more reason about why I find it just even more bizarre that, because what he says is, he says that he told this to his superiors, and his superiors went, no, 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 we're not, we're not gonna, we're not gonna be talking about that, no, none of that happened, you're gonna keep that to yourself. Here's the here's the official report that you're gonna sign, which is which is the what we have today when you try to look up the actual like uh, like hard evidence for the story. 
And when he reaches out and touches it, he feels this jolt go into him. Uh, and he's, he's an expert on aircraft. He's, he's studying it, trying to figure out what's going on here. And he's looking for exhaust ports and places for crew to get in and out of and things like that. He doesn't find anything. No, but instead what he actually finds are like um, these hieroglyphics that are on the outs that are on the outside of him. And he puts them like in a journal too that he has where he where he draws them later and whatnot. And I've seen them and it's very hard to like I've never they they look like like Egyptian hieroglyphics a little bit. It's the best way that I can really kind of describe them a little bit. Like it's like a form of pictograph. Yeah, like it it's the kind of the best way of describing it. That's the best way of like of done because I because I, you know if you think about like um like like the Kexberg UFO when they talk about the stuff that's on there the characters some people think that it could be associated with other languages uh, from other from other countries and stuff and that may be why they didn't recognize him but from what Jim is describing and what he draws this is not it, it's not another language that he's seeing these are not symbols that you would be seeing probably from the cult like other cultures on Earth they're just I mean they're just not. But this is like definitely not the first time we've heard of this sort of thing. Often UFO encounters where people can examine the shift, they or the ship, they have odd kind of pictographic sort of writing. You see that in the Roswell stuff you mentioned mm. that uh, we heard about in Kecksburg. Um, like the Nazi bell had odd pictographs uh, set up around it, which a lot of people mm. say was a reverse engineered spacecraft. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it... To, to, to me, I, I, that's one of the things that I love about UFO, uh, like spaceship encounters and stuff like that too, are just these just these strange like pictures and like hieroglyphics that people just see on the outside. Because there's so many cool stories that come with them. But when it comes to Jim, uh, he sets off some red flags though. I mean, I, I, we both have watched some interviews with him and we both kind of came to the same sort of conclusion where... The story itself seems fairly legit. There's a few hiccups in it, but when you watch him tell the story, there are definitely some red flags going on. I mean, he's blinking a lot. He's looking around. He looks nervous, and like, well, well, like for me, like I describe, like I describe it, like he looks like my grandfather when he was trying to pull my leg. Like I'm so like he's at like that lean back in his chair, slide eye look, like while he's talking. And I'm not saying his story is not impressive, but also the, the the thing that really caught me when I was listening to his story is the whole time he's talking about it, he's only using the word I. This is what happened to me when I, you know, I saw this, I was doing this, I saw that. Like, if, you, if you've ever told, like, a really traumatic story, like, if you've ever been through something like that, where you're around other people, you always include other people in the story. Like, the John, John Purgis was there with him, and he never tells the story, like, in anything that I've ever seen, where he includes him, like, in his story. Yeah, it's just really weird. Like, we've been through some some rough things that have happened at the hospital we worked at. Mm-hmm. And when we retell those stories, we talk about, hey, this person was here, that person was there, there's stuff going on. He just kind of eliminates everyone else from the telling. That just kind of gives me a bit of a, a feeling like, like there might be something up about this. Mm-hmm. Like, when he tells the story in, in interviews, he doesn't really even talk about there being other people out there. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that's just impo- it's just important to bring up because again, you know, we uh, you know a story is only as good as its witnesses. I mean, so you know, I I I want to I want to believe him. I want to believe that he believes this is what he like legitimately saw. Like I want to. And beyond that, I mean, we know something happened that night. There were more reports than just him. Oh, absolutely. But I don't know. I I just. There's something about the stuff he's saying that makes me think, well, even if he's not lying, there's something going on here. Mm-hmm. So, and and we're going to come back to Jim. Yeah, we're going to cut. There's some bizarre stuff beyond here, but we're going to cover it a bit later yeah, on. It's gonna, it, and you're, and you're going to see why. But so fast forward to the next morning, the next, the, the, mor- the, the morning after this. The base calls the police for them to come out to investigate. Which, again, I find totally bizarre. I'm sorry. Oh, I don't. I really don't think I, he's that I, far no, off. I'm hung up on this. You guys need to chime in because this is a big debate between me and Vic. And we're probably going to debate it again talking about it here on, on air. It's just weird. You, you know, 
they they call the local police out to investigate the woods to, to, to see what's in there. Now, here's my issue with this. You are a military base, and you think there is a possible mil military aircraft at the best, an unidentified craft at best, okay? At worst, an unidentified ship that's possibly extraterrestrial in origin, you know, or, you know, that's, or not of this world that could be out there. And you're going to call the police for, you know, the local police for them to get involved. Okay. Here's my thoughts. Like I mentioned earlier, the base commander really did not believe he this. He thought the mm -hmm. whole thing was nonsense. It was probably just them getting out there and getting spooked and he just wanted it to go away. Also, it, there's a large swath in between um, these two air force bases. That's not military ground. I really think it makes sense for him to ask the ask them to look into it because he's probably thinking it really is just some people out there screwing around, or maybe they were seeing sirens from uh, from cop cars because something happened out there. I, I really think that part isn't that far of a stretch. But when I when you when you read about these, you know, when you hear about these UFO incidents and and how police are often utilized, you know, you know, if you think of Flatwood Monster, Kecksburg. All these other sorts of things. The local police are getting involved in order to handle, like, the local civilian population, you know, as a way of handling that. And on top of that, for any of our, for anybody that uh, listened to, like, our Knock Once for Yes interview video that we did when we interviewed with them, and our, uh, like, our patron exclusive part, one of the things we talked about was men in black sightings possibly in other countries. So that's what I was getting to them about, and I was asking them about, like, what are men in black sightings like? In the United, you know, in the UK, and what they were telling us was, well, it's really handled more by the military. Like you see guys like in military outfits handling this, so that's why I was kind of surprised that they're calling. I mean, that they're that they're calling local police to deal with this and not utilizing these two air force bases or even utilizing UK military in order to in order in order to investigate this. Yeah, but that only makes sense if they think they're actually dealing with a UFO, though. But as we've already, but, but as we've already stated, as we've already, you know, it's an unidentified object. So even, so even on top of that, if it's possibly even like, say like a foreign country makes me believe even less that they, they would want to get uh, local police involved. Oh, I think the base commander thought it was just nonsense. <laughs> I don't think he thought it was anything. I don't think he thought it was a enemy aircraft. I don't think he thought it was a UFO. I think he thought it was just nothing out there. And he just was like, okay, I'll do the bare minimum to say I looked into this. And the bare minimum is called the cops. <laughs> but then uh, we, we, in this story, we run into another interesting thing. Yeah, We have yeah. almost no information on what goes on on the 27th mm -hmm. there's this this gap in the story and we, we've been doing some speculation on this like uh did project moon dust go in and salvage the plane yeah, yeah, and there, stuff uh, like that yeah, are there are there these like you know secret agents going in and scouring the forest because that's what i'm thinking is supposed to be going you know that's what i'm thinking is going to go on but no what, what you actually get is the only people that seem to be doing any of the investigative of it are the police and one of the things the police actually end up that they actually end up finding is they find these like whenever it becomes light outside, they find these impressions in the ground. They find a clearing like where they uh, they find a clearing out of the woods, and what they find out in, the, in this clearing is they find these three triangular indentions in the ground, like and they're about one and a half inches deep and they're about seven inches wide. Well, I thought they were round indentions in a triangular. Pattern. Sorry, yeah, they're in a tri yeah, they're round yeah. indentions in a triangle, but they're in a triangular shape. Okay? Yeah, so makes sense like a triangular vehicle like yeah you know craft and there's broke branches and there's scorched tree bark and there's like scorched and there's like burnt trees and there's reports of like even the sap from the trees becoming crystallized mm -hmm. and the police find it and they're like uh it was an animal that was my favorite part of this like it was an animal i'm like what like a three-legged dragon like what like like what animal does that how Come on! I mean, it's England, maybe. Maybe we are talking about a dragon. Because you know, <laughs> there's all these, like, you know, animals out there that leave charred trees. Do you know what would have been a much easier excuse? Claim that it was a a group of negligent campers or something. Yeah, like, it was just so... Uh, it was just such a half-assed answer. Like, 
Oh yeah, that was that was obviously some some sort of animal that burnt these trees and broke all these large branches and left these tracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. These tracks, by the way, that don't go anywhere. That lead anywhere. They're just in this clearing. I kind of feel like they just really weren't trying that day. <laughs> like, like, like they were just like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna hope we're just gonna say it was animals. We're gonna hope nobody questions it. And here's. Marcus and Vic questioning it like 40 years later. Oh, do you know there's like an actual uh, monument to this out there now? Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Due to, um, I want to say it was in the 2000s, due to like people showing so much interest to it, they opened up that area kind of as a park. And other, they have a uh, recreated like uh, monument of what the ship uh, looked like based on the descriptions. I really thought you were going to say there's like a monument to these like negligent campers <laughs> <laughs> that, that left that left this out there. No, when, when we start talking about campers, I'm like, oh yeah, I never told him that I uh, I mm. found some stuff about like there's like this little monument thing out there. That's so cool. You know, like when you're uh, looking at articles and stuff, there'll be that um, that metal looking UFO they always show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the that's the monument. Oh, that's cool. That's that's really cool. Let's see, are we ready to go on to the next day? Yeah. So the next day, uh, we don't know what happened because that's the twenty seventh. No, uh, I need yeah, the, yeah. the twenty eighth. Oh, right, so so when stuff starts happening, okay. So by the twenty eighth, this is when a new person comes into the frag. This is Lieutenant Colonel Holt. Okay, he's the he's the deputy he's the deputy like second guy in charge. I love this guy. Of the, I do too. He's actually very very cool. Now he's not cool in the initial part of the story, but he gets cool later, like down like down the road. So Hulk is, I guess, tasked with finding out like what's going on with this. Like he's, you know, like the the head guy, the head uh, colonel of the base, Ted Conrad's like, look, I don't want to deal with this anymore. You deal with this, handle it. And so Holt is is put in charge. So about three o'clock in the morning. So oh, keep in enough, mind, yeah. Holt is frustrated by this whole thing. He thinks it's all total nonsense. In his mind, he's going out to put an end to this discussion yeah. so everyone can get on yeah. with their lives. Because he's probably been spending two days dealing with the personnel at the Air Force Base. Probably pretty tense. You know, probably tense. I couldn't even imagine being a being a being a leader. In a military base in which you, in which there is this unidentified craft that has come close to your base that you have not caught. I just, I, regardless of however this went down, if it was just something benign, it was a hoax, it was whatever, or if it's something real, that's that's got to be tense to him. And so, about the wee early hours of the morning, there I think they said they were at a party. Oh, yeah, it was a yeah, Christmas yeah. party. Yeah, they're at a Christmas party, like, really early before the sun comes up. No suspicious there. No suspicion there. It's a little weird. It is. You know, because as we all know, we all have our Christmas parties, like, at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so, all of a sudden, someone says, they're back, it's back, it's back. So, Holt uh, gets sent out to investigate, and Holt carries around with him a tape recorder everywhere. Because most normal people do that. Now, this is just a tool that he would always use to make notes to himself and things like that. So it's something that he was usually carrying on his kit at mm-hmm. all times. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just jamming up. This, you know, somebody that's in charge of like doing like, like a lot of reports probably is going to have one of these. And so, so Hulk goes out, and one of the things that they see is they see this blind. He says that he sees this like blinding light like off in the distance right okay make sure i'm I'm ensuring this part of the story right and you they're the recording uh or at least what we know of it is is totally like public record you can see it you can listen to it yeah he inserts this on youtube you'll find it yeah you'll find it um and it's it's easily found and he is blown away by this like this bizarre light show that's going on that he's that he sees oh yeah he sees a lot of stuff going on that night a lot of things moving around they believe that there was um some lights moving through the forest, kind of moving in between the trees, causing a blinking pattern. Uh, they saw light, like spheres of light up in the sky, shooting beams down. They saw a lot of stuff. The, the weird part is here for me, and, and, I don't, and, I, and I don't know why more people don't bring this up. Holt's description is different than Jim and John's. Like, what, what he goes through is not the same. And it, it's just very different. Because he described it like seeing like this, almost like a iris. Like this, like eye, and it's like he's just doesn't describe it like he starts with like a well, purple. He's describing like the light, but they're only seeing it at a pretty far distance. Right. And he said that it was kind of doing like a blinking pattern, mm-hmm. where like it would glow up and create like a, a sphere around, and then it would kind of fall back. And so that's kind of like a pulsing light when seen at a distance. But they don't ever really get all that close to anything. 
And and one of the things that is in the official report that he puts out that he puts out is that people try to say, oh, the but they 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 followed it. They realized that it was actually like this lighthouse that's not too far from uh, the uh, Rendlesham, like the Air Force Base. But when you listen to Halt talk about it now, he doesn't describe it as that. He says that it moves independently. Like, he says that it's moving independently like and, 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 and intelligently, like, to where it's trying to avoid trees and stuff. And what are you going to see naturally out there that looks like a sphere of light in the sky shooting a beam down to the ground? Like, I've seen, like, lighthouses at night. That's not what they look like. It's... You're, that's just not a good explanation. Oh, and they have some equipment out there to read radiation. They're picking up all these weird radiation signals, mm-hmm. too. Which is more likely that you're seeing something that's from space. <laughs> you know, you know, there's some sort of craft that, that leaves the atmosphere. And Holt is uh, brought back after he after he sees all this at oh night. and they also yeah. find they also find that um, landing area with the um, the triangular landing yeah, yeah, area. Yeah, yeah. yeah and they do uh, they do scans of like the indentions in the ground because remember this is an English forest in the winter so the ground's frozen over and so it's pretty much has held the shape of anything that's left indentions but it would take something heavy to leave an indention. And they scanned these uh, areas where it looked like something had touched down, and they were giving off ra- uh, radiation mm-hmm. signal or um, radiation signals too. So he gets all this, and he gets all this that you know that we've we've scanned all these radio these radioactive land, like landing spots for this thing. Then and he, and he just you know on all these this bizarre light show that he's seeing out in the woods, and he gets back, and what he's you know and he t- and he reports back to uh, to uh, Colonel Conrad. And Conrad, like, pretty much slides it to him and says, this is what you're going to read. And that's where we get what's called, like, the Halt Memo that's, that's out there that you can read, which is pretty much what the story is. Like, if you, you know, Wikipedia this thing or if you go to any, like, basic site, this is what you this is what you get. Um, and it's this one-page thing, and it, it just reads off, and it reads off pretty much, oh, yeah, um, two days ago, this is what our soldiers saw. Uh, we went out today, we saw these lights, but it turns out it was actually, like, a, a lighthouse. Yeah, and some of the okay, some of the people who went out with Holt are still stick to that story. Personally, I would believe that in the interest of their military career, they would stick with that. I'm mm-hmm. sure these people were under a lot of pressure. So I and I personally believe Holt, like when you watch him in an interview tell his story, he seems mm-hmm. very credible. He Yes he does. Yes he does. And he has that recording to back it up too. Yeah, and he doesn't really like to talk about it all this much. Like he turns down uh, a lot of interviews reg- regarding this. You know? Oh, yeah. Like, like, one of the others he worked with said, um, yeah, he will talk about this sometimes, but he's pretty reluctant. For every one interviewer speaking engagement he does, he turns down 99. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, so yeah, he gets back and he gets, and he gets told, you know, read from the script. This is, this is, this is what you see. So, you know, to, to me, and the weird part, the weird part ab- about this is just keep in mind these are two Amer these are two American bases. Okay, so this is the Rendlesham Forest uh, incident is done by this, but this is U.S. Air Force Base. And okay, and there's another U.S. Air Force Base not too far. This is in England. Okay, and all the stuff that we're talking about is only from like American sources. Mm-hmm. And actually, if you try to get like uh, like subpoena like uh, information from like the U.K. government from it, what all you get is this this you know, a handful of papers where they have correspondence when they're talking about this. The UK government didn't, doesn't put out anything. And as far as we can tell, hasn't investigated this, which I find even more bizarre and even more evidence that there's something that we're not being told. I think the only English side to this story that at least I'm aware of comes from Nick Pope, who apparently was um, charged with at one point in time, examining it as a cold case file. Mm-hmm. But I think that's all I've personally heard yeah, about. I, but I think Nick Pope even himself said that he used to work for the department, of, like the department, the Ministry of Defense. Yeah, yeah. Like in there, and again, and I watched an interview where he's talking about this. And again, the, the sources are only what we get from American sources. It's just so bizarre that there, you know, you have this huge UFO incident, you know, in the United Kingdom, and you ha- during the Cold War by a military base. And you're going to sit there and tell me 
the UK government didn't investigate this? You know, I didn't really think about this till just now, but a lot of the stuff that they report is fairly similar to um, the sort of things you hear about in the Welsh Triangle, mm-hmm. it's, which is this area of anomaly on the other side of England near Wales. It's both of them are in the southern part, but like the odd lights moving through the trees, the blinking, things like that. Mm-hmm. We should we should actually do something on the Welsh Triangle. Sounds, so, that sounds so awesome. There's a lot of triangles. <laughs> There's a lot of triangles worldwide. But it's just like don't get me wrong. I'm the first person to call incompetence when it comes to when it comes to governments. But you you there's just no way. There's no way that not, not one person from the UK government didn't go out and ask a question. Well, you know what? They might have just stayed more tight-lipped than the Americans. No, did. that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So that that's why I think there's more to this story than than what's being told. You know, and on top, you know, and I and I go back to that because as we've told the story, there's all the stuff that happens on the 26th. There's all the stuff that happens on the 28th, and nothing is reported about what happened on the 27th. There's like yeah, this it's big, weird. Bl- you know, there's, there's this big thing of time. You ask any, you ask any sort <laughs> of like, you know, like if you think about this now, if you think about like how where we work down, we work in a hospital right mm-hmm. now, but we're in the midst of like a major crisis that's going on right now. There is literally a post from our boss every single day about, at least one at least yeah, one no yeah about what's going on so you can't sit there and tell me that you know on the tw- you know there is a unidentified craft by a military airbase in you know in the UK England during the cold war and nothing is done on a day like like nothing happened i'm sure something happened but one of the one of the things that we were kicking around was could it have been recovered? Could they have found it, landed somewhere, and recovered it? And personally, I don't think it could have been. I don't think... I don't think so either. Yeah, with all the people that were watching out with how stirred up the base was, I don't think they could have gotten it out. And they, we probably would have... This probably would have been handled by, like, you know, the Project Moondust. Yeah, you know, or some government agents that are out there to recover it or do something. And, and even more to me, that's, again, why I... I bring this up about that's why I think that's more stuff had to have been done. This has to have been dug deeper and, you know, to, to be investigated. I mean, God, this is, what is this? This is probably 10 ish years, probably a decade past project blue book. Uh, the, the, you know, the closing project blue book. So, I mean, the, the, the United States government, you know, the United States air force are pros at this point about debunking UFO activity. I mean, the pro this is, you know, Okay, you know, we, we moved past a little bit swamp gas reflected off Venus here. We moved past a little bit off here. And the best answer that they can give is, yeah, we didn't do anything on this particular day. It was probably just some stars in a, and, a, and a lighthouse. I think either one of two things happened. Either A, things were done and it's been covered up well enough that whatever happened has remained covert. Or B, no one took it seriously. That there was scuttlebutt going around the base. But since the base commander didn't take it seriously, it never got passed up the up the chain. And the only real thing that happened was he did just call the cops, and literally nothing happened. On it. I think it had to be one of those two. Gosh, I, I think some. I think with how much he, the 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 you know Ted Conrad, the colonel of the base, the main the main guy, how much he has come down hard on Lieutenant Colonel Halt and uh, and and Jim um, 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 Pennington. Uh, about what they have said, I think that in some way, shape, or form, I think that something had to have happened, and it wasn't handled all the way. Like I, that's that's my thought on it. Like, like something happened that we never got word on, but it caused him a lot of trouble. Yeah. Well, and that's a possibility, and the guy has a strong viewpoint on it i guess like maybe something happened on that third day something that's caused him trouble in his career mm-hmm. and maybe that's why he's been so anti it and that's why uh and the whole facade of oh nothing's going on was just his means of covering it up and that's always a possibility i still think he might have just been one of those people who's a, a vehement disbeliever mm-hmm. do you want to get into the, maybe the motives of what of what this was or what it was about well i oh yeah, yeah we definitely should but first do you, the story as a whole, how much do you believe? Because there's a lot of discussion on this. I I believe what Holt is saying now. I believe, I, I believe the, I believe the initial story 
of what is told about what the soldiers saw. I believe that. And then I believe what Holt saw when he went out there. Dude. I think definitely something happened out there. Um, I believe that people went out to investigate it on the first night. Now, some of the details I'm a little more shaky on, but I believe that they saw lights out there, that there was something weird going on out there, and they definitely went out and checked it out. I think on the 27th, there were a lot of rumors about what happened the previous night, mm -hmm. and it created a whole scuttlebutt on the base. Mm -hmm. I definitely find um, Holt to be a very credible witness. He, This isn't saying that he's not a UFO guy. He's not someone who has made this his life's obsession. He's not even been trying to seek attention or fame from it because he's done a lot of important stuff already right. in his life. He's not... He doesn't meet the general standards that you would expect from someone who's out there making stuff up to kind of show off and things like that. Also, he has that tape recording. That's just such a big thing in their favor because you get to hear how he felt reaction, at the time. You know? <clears throat> and this is a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, totally blown away by the stuff that he's seeing. And also, like, when he talks about it in interviews, I don't really see any red flags. I don't His either. His story is pretty consistent. He talks about where other people were. He talks about how he was doing in the moment. I think definitely something was going on, and I definitely believe his story. I do, too. I do, too. You know, um, you know, it... So, do you want to get into the motives about what this thing? Yeah, I guess in? the next big question is, why did this happen? So, why was it here? Because it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing what's goes on because remember again we have a united states air force you know in riddlesham forest and to the north on the other side of this forest is another uf air force base u.s air force base okay both of these bases are holding fighter craft like fighter jets for the united states air force and a unidentified craft chooses or lands not chooses necessarily but lands in the middle of these two bases in this forest you know that you know, what does that say? I mean, does it does it land there accidentally? Does it like is it malfunctioning? Does it not even care that it, where it's landing? I and mean, this isn't the first time we've shown or we've seen UFOs showing interest in military weapons and stuff. There's a lot of uh, stories about them showing up on missile bases and things like that. Um, my first thought is it might have been there trying to scan. I mean, Holt reports seeing it up in the air, shining a light at the ground. Um, it seems like it might have been some sort of recon. Mm -hmm. And just think about the, its positioning. I think it was looking into those two bases. At least that's my initial thought. I always like to think that, you know, when people come up with the reasons behind this, they always come up with stuff like, oh, it was scanning us, oh, I was doing this for intelligence. Nobody ever says that maybe it's just some sort of irresponsible alien teenager <laughs> that just stole his parents' car, and he just he's on a joyride. He lands up to these forests and goes, oh, crap, there's the cops. <laughs> and he just cheeses it and leaves. I really hope that that's not what some of these major UFO stories are in our like in our time. I mean, truthfully, okay, I know this is probably going to make a few of you guys out there go, "What? What the heck is he talking about?" But I don't like to directly connect UFOs and aliens. I kind of feel like it's a leap in logic. It's not an A and B leap. It's an A and C leap. It's a good assumption. Yeah, and it it. it it does make sense it's on a, a level, assumption. but we don't have any sort of validation. I Okay, in the cases where the person says, I talked to the entities and they said they're aliens, yeah, we have a reason to believe it at that point. But when you're just seeing UFOs, I don't know. I just have always found it to be this weird leap that it is. there's UFOs, they have flying saucers, and those flying saucers are definitely piloted by aliens. All we really know is there's some weird-looking crafts. They don't look like how we make crafts. Mm -hmm. It could be an alien for all we know. Yeah, it, okay, I'm okay with it can be an alien for as far as we know. Oh, sorry, it could I be from another dimension. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. I just don't get where there's weird crafts out there. People are seeing them. They don't look like saying that we would make therefore aliens. I there, there's there's a problem right before that therefore aliens part. Yeah, nobody ever comes up with maybe it was you know. Crazy Farmer Joe, like built something, <laughs> like built something in his, built something in his barn, and now he's taking it for a ride. Okay, I don't think it's Crazy Farmer <laughs> Joe, but when, when, when you're justifying the unexplained and the mysterious, you have to have a really freaking open mind, mm -hmm. and you gotta be careful not to make any big assumptions. And I kind of feel like, as a, as like a group, we've all decided to make this assumption. <laughs> And, and something that bothers me when you when it, when you read a lot of these stories, like what the the Rindlesham Forest incident is often called, is they call it like the British Roswell. 
And I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's fair. I think, you know, when to just... All over the world, we have these UFO sightings. It's not the British Roswell. It's another, you know, unidentified flying object sighting that's for humans, for humanity. You know, I don't like dividing it amongst like these, like just these different countries. I think when we think that way, we're being very divisive. Just that I think the British from Forest story is a little more interesting than the Roswell. I one. do too. <laughs> I do too. I think. I think Roswell is really well remembered for two things. First, when it happened, it's one of the earlier UFO crash sort of stories. And B, because so many people have written about it and there's so much tacked onto the story, it's at the point where when you go back and examine Roswell, it's so hard to figure out what happened and to create a timeline because so many thing, people have added things onto the story since then. Well, it's, it just It'll yeah. just keep growing. Yeah. Well, well, another reason, like... Is that you know the reason we haven't done it? You know, we, you know why have we not done Roswell on on our channel at all? I don't really know what we'd add to it. Yeah, the thing's you know, been talked to death. I don't I don't know what we do. But the Rendlesham Forest UFO incident, you know, I feel we can add some commentary to this. Why is the UFO discussion so damn feast or famine? Either everyone talks about it and it has just been talked to death, or, or no like one no one talks about it. No one talks about it. That's and that's where we come in. <laughs> Because we're going to bring these to your guys' attention. Be like, you guys should know about these. You should know about the Rendlesham Forest UFO. And there's even more. There's a lot of really obscure cases that we haven't gotten to that we should we should periodically just dust off some of the weird old UFO cases. <laughs> kind of like, oh, what was the one we did a while ago? What was the name of it? The Aurora UFO incident? Like down in Texas? No, no, no. The one in South America. That we did? The Those are flying witches. No, not that one. The other thing we did in South America, it involved like feeling it like aliens and abducting that farmer who's out on his tractor. Oh, yes, yeah, we did, we did do that. We did do that. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name. That was we did that actually. We did that actually for our podcast that we did. Actually. No, that, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, that's a that was a really really freaking neat case. Yeah, that a lot of people don't know about. And so that's and that's why we do this podcast so we can bring all these cool stories to you guys so you can impress your friends. <laughs> Okay, so what do you think the motive might have been behind this? I got another one if you want to throw it out I, while I th you're thinking. I, th I think in the end, it was they were not trying to contact people. They, you know, I, I think that was definitely a part of it. Um, I, I also don't think they were intending to be caught. You I think they, they were thinking that they were going to go unseen? Yeah, I, I really do. I, I think cause whenever, like, if you, if you look about, like, what happened with the two, like, when Jim and John... Um, at least in the report, it leaves. You know, it doesn't seem like there was anything intent. There was any intentional um, uh, action by the the craft that that we know that we know of, other than it trying to leave the area. I got another one for you. Hmm. A UFO military social experiment. Oh, like where the military lands it to see what the to see what their soldiers would do? No, no, like the UFO came in to see how we would respond to it. Oh, because think about it; it's bright, it's moving through the sky. I don't understand how it would have expected not to have been seen, yeah. and then it lands between two air force bases. <sighs> like maybe they're gauging to see how we would react to it. You know, I, re you know, that, that's that's actually a really good argument. That's a really good point. It it really. This sucks to think that we're just some sort of like science experiment from aliens to see what we're gonna do. And it's scary because then you're like, okay, yeah. why are they gauging our military response to this? Why would they need to know this information? You know, I I, I like to give humanity a lot more credit that we're a lot more important than maybe what we are, like in the galactic cosmoses. You know, but like again, I've always said, if if aliens showed up, it would not be in humanity's best interests. Again, they're far more technologically advanced than we are in human in uh, human history. It's never gone well for a less advanced civilization when the more advanced civilization shows up. So, truthfully, I'm not sure what they would come to Earth. Like, if we're talking about aliens coming to Earth for something, I don't know what they'd be here for. Because think about it, most of the stuff we have on Earth is way more abundant in you know asteroids <laughs> and comets and things like that things that they could go um, get without having to deal with locals uh un well untrue the one thing that we do have more than other asteroids that asteroids don't is a uh, people yeah and we, we do have some unique things we have protein and we have chlorophyll yeah that's we, have, like we, we have, have plenty of those we have unique 
aspects of like life and that is the if if aliens are coming here for something i feel like it has to have something to do with the life on earth i don't think like there's that old thing about they're here for the water no you can get way more water (laughs) just going to a comet in mining water you can get way more iron or other precious minerals by going to asteroids and things like that. They have a lot of it. Like, I know we're running out of tungsten, but there's, like, asteroids that have tons of tungsten in it. Um, I just I just feel like they're definitely not here for any resource that is not directly connected to life on this planet. Which is why I take what I call the Will Smith... If they're aliens. You know, if, they're aliens. if they're aliens. Which is why I take what I call the Will Smith stance... Like from Independence Day, where they show up and it, you know, and I'm gonna punch one of them and say, and that's what I call a close encounter, you know. Man, I, I'm telling you, I'm not handling. I'm not gonna be handling it positively. I mean, of course, I mean, yes. If aliens show up and they start trying to blow stuff up, we should respond with as probably as much force as possible, in the hopes that maybe we could get them to go away. Now, at the same time, I don't think it's going to go well, but I also don't think. Approaching it diplomatically is going to go well. We are in a lose, lose, <laughs> lose, 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 lose situation. Unless they're here and they do happen to be, oh, hey, we're extra super nice. <laughs> I think that we're just going to get screwed. It's going yeah, to be up to them what happens to us at that and point. And I don't like putting my fate in the hands of that, of aliens. I am sorry. Like, I just, it's just, I don't see it going well. And it is one of those situations where... Maybe we could convince them if they're interested in us alive. Maybe we can make them feel like maybe it's not worth it, and we go to the next planet that like, has life. But I hope they're not showing up now when they're just showing up to Earth, going, "Why are they hoarding all of this toilet? Well, all of this paper? <laughs> why? Why are the Earthlings doing this? I don't understand. They're not leaving their house. I think they might be scared of their son. <laughs> I think that's. I think that's what might be going on." <laughs> And they're hoarding toilet paper. Well, while we're all stuck inside, I wonder what amazing UFO sightings we're missing oh, because I we're not outside. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you. You know, another thing, too, I think that's why some of the paranormal news has been dried up because we've been forced to stay inside as well. Oh, yeah. All, all the best paranormal information comes from outside your house. Sure, there's some interesting, like, nighttime invader stuff and things like that mm-hmm. in haunted houses. But most of the really juicy stuff comes from something weird washing up on a shoreline or, or you, you know. sitting in the woods. Oh yeah, that that that's the stuff that you get when you go outside. That's why it's one of the reasons I'm a big proponent of doing stuff outdoors is because that's more people who are going to see some weird stuff and it's going to get back <laughs> yeah. to us. Like who's out there uh, documenting the uh, weird carcasses that are washing up on the shoreline no. right now? No one, because no one's at the beach. Who's checking on Bigfoot? Nobody. Nobody here has checked on Bigfoot to see if he's okay. Yeah, he might be getting up to some crazy shenanigans and we're not finding out about him. Let's see. Uh, I think it's about to head into pillow talk. What do you think? I think so too. I think we've talked. We've talked a lot about this. We hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Put, uh, post in the comments below what you guys think about the Rendlesham Forest incident. Okay. And we're going to be going into some details because when Jim touched the craft, he said he received some messages. And in the pillow talk segment, that's what we're going to be going into. So, hang on there, guys. If you're a Patreon, for the rest of you guys, keep believing because we'll keep listening. Okay, so when Jim's out there and he touches this ship and he gets this jolt through it, he starts getting these visions and they continue for some time. He starts like uh, seeing them at night when he's dreaming and getting these messages and they're coming through in ones and zeros. And what does that immediately make you think of? Computers. Yeah, yeah. It it makes you think of binary code. code. Yeah. But apparently, even though binary code had existed at the time, he apparently wasn't aware of it. Mm-hmm. So, and a, and a lot of people seem to think that if that if we encountered aliens, one of the ways that we'd be able to communicate is with math, probably in some way, like some like like in some way, like some kind of code, like yeah. That. Because I mean, to master like flight is once again assuming they're aliens to master like flight like this across systems. Mm-hmm. You're going to need to have a really advanced understanding of math. So you can probably easily make the assumption they should understand this. Yeah. They might not know the, they might not recognize the symbols we use for it, but they should be able to recognize the pattern in the symbols. Right. And uh, also, like, there's this um, physicist that's theorized that if we do communicate um, over, like, time, which some people speculate it might be, 
um, that you could do that through using a stream of uh, neurons, or not neurons, um, essentially using super science <laughs> to <laughs> communicate to communicate with binary and neutrons. He, neutrons. Neutrons. <laughs> I don't know why it's based on the word neutron. No, it's okay, but like it's just it's weird. He talked about essentially using like time travel and communicating through time using uh but using uh like binary using like a sequence of binary and i'm like yeah he was I, saying you yeah. could uh you can make neutrons point um up and down and that you could send a message back by having up represents zero down representing uh one and send it back 